Welcome, everybody, to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. We have a really interesting class coming for you this evening. Uh, that is the anti-universe and mirror world. So this really stemmed from a number of articles that I've seen lately that I've been reading, researching, even some from the past over like the past couple of years. And, you know, you see things and you make connections. That's why this is the connected universe. Uh, and so we're going to be examining some of these interesting concepts this evening. So I do examine it a little bit in Alaska's Mysterious Triangle, the final chapter, other connections. So first off, for those that are listening to the podcast version of this later, uh, please, by all means, come out and join us live Wednesday nights at ConnectedUniversePortal.com. 30-day free membership. You get all the weekly classes. You get all the behind-the-scenes video. We have a monthly Q&A video uh, that we need to put out here. I went ahead and posted that question. So you guys, by all means, throw your, your questions down in there if you haven't yet, and I will have that video out. Well, tomorrow's the last day of March. So that is the intent is to have that video out for you guys tomorrow night. Um, also, of course, you get all the articles and everything on the back end, all the, you know, Egypt footage, the Ireland footage that'll be coming this year, the American Southwest footage, all that wonderful stuff uh, that we've been covering. So, uh, yeah, Tom is wondering <laughs> about the blueness. Uh, yeah, uh, new camera and, uh, you know, looked great, you know, just turning it on out of the box today uh, in the natural uh, lighting. But uh, tonight when I turned it on, you know, it's dark out now. We've got the dimmer lights and the, the blueness behind me. And uh, this is kind of what it did. Actually, I fooled around with the settings for a bit uh, before the show, uh, before the class, and didn't really have enough time to dig too deep into it. So I'm, I'm a little blue. <laughs> um, and Sarah's saying, just a tint, not too bad. Yeah, well, I'll play with it and fix it for next time. Alina likes it. So, well, and I've always liked the uh, uh, the blue ice lights uh, behind me, like when we used to do that for uh, Beyond the Shadows and prior to that, Inside the Upside Down. So, and we also do that for some of the Friday Night Ghost Price videos back in the old Hunter Road Media uh, YouTube channel. In any case, we are going to be talking about anti-universe and the mirror world. What exactly is this? Well, most people when they're first introduced to the idea, at least these days, when we're first introduced to the idea of a, uh, of a mirror world, uh, we think of Alice through the looking glass. So here she is, Alice from Alice in Wonderland, but this is the through the looking glass book where she steps through, she actually climbs up on her mantle in her house, steps through the mirror and comes out into a another world which is reversed from uh, from her own even when she looks at books and things like that the letters are reversed they're done in like a mirror writing so this is our first introduction you know as a child over the last 150 years alice through the looking glass so what does that have to do with us you know aside from okay it's a fantastic child's tale well, this is, it's a term that we've been using for 
you know, a while, you know, through the looking glass, there's usually we talk about like another world or there's something secret on the other side. Um, I mean, heck, we had our, our show was edge of the rabbit hole on Tuesday nights for, you know, over six years. And that was, you know, you had that Alice references there. Lost one of the, uh, the, the show lost one of the uh, famous episodes was called Through the Looking Glass. And the station that they went down to was the Looking Glass station. So you have a lot of these different cultural references. So when it comes to mirrors, there's a lot of interesting mythology about them. Some unique properties that they have. Uh, that, you know, there's like the old, uh, old stories and old legends of, you know, don't have two mirrors opposite each other in the same room. They will create a portal. The house that I lived in one time, uh, the, <laughs> the bathroom mirrors were, uh, well, the whole vanity was inset into the wall. You know, you had the main mirror on, on the back wall, but then on either side, uh, the two little sidewalls had uh, matching mirrors with the uh, with the medicine cabinet. And so they were actually opposite each other with this other large mirror right there. So if that's true, then that would have created one heck of a portal. What I have found in my research is this is true of mirrors that have the silver backing. That's what we used to uh, used for the backing of mirrors was silver. Not anymore. We we use a, a very thin layer of aluminum. I don't think it works quite the same with aluminum, but silver apparently was one of the catalysts. And when we talk about electromagnetism and things like this, that's where that starts coming into play. But I'm going to stop rambling on about mirrors here because I'm going to let two other guys talk about this phenomenon. Carl Johnson and Johnny Enoch. This is a clip from uh, the Shadow Dimension episode four. And why is the clip not here? I uploaded it before the show and it's not here. Okay, so we're not going to play that right now. That is bizarre. Let me re-upload that in the background here for a moment. That's kind of aggravating. And I'll take some of your comments and questions here uh, to start. So... Uh, there's Tom and Seraph down there. Alina's in the house. Uh, and Celine has joined. Great to see all of you down there. Uh, Tom, yeah, I know you weren't able to uh, make it last night to the last Edge of the Rabbit Hole uh, live stream show. But uh, we, we did talk about you. We did mention you. Our, and, and that's a shame, too, because you are like the Super Chat superstar. And I wanted to make mention of that. And I know you had work. So uh, Sarah commenting here, looking into a mirror universe it would definitely mess with brain orientation so we are going to talk a little bit about that as we get into this topic when we actually start looking at uh you know how the universe might operate in reverse what we're going to start with though are the the physics of that and what's actually been coming out through science i find some of the things that have been coming out uh from science lately a bit humorous because they're talking about things that we have been mentioning and talking about on the spirituality side for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So, all right, it's processing that clip. This is, sorry guys, I, this is a little annoying because I had everything uploaded and ready to go. I did have to reboot my uh, 
computer just before we went live and everything. And maybe that's what, what kind of screwed this up. I'm not sure. So, uh, so I'll go ahead and start, come back to the, the mirror clip here in a moment. So, uh, something that's been really interesting here lately. Uh, some of you may have seen some of the articles that I've been posting on Facebook about the idea of an anti-universe running backward in time. Now, this is something that the idea, the concept has been out there for a couple years now. And we've talked about it before in here, the Anita project down in Antarctica. This is kind of where this is stemmed from. And the paper that's just been released, this was uh, published in the journal Annals of Physics titled The Big Bang, CPT, and Neutrino Dark Matter. I'll go ahead and, and post links to these uh, in the group later on. And what's fascinating, again, is that two years ago, and we're going to get into what all of this uh, is about. Uh, I guess you guys should know what CPT is because we're going to be talking about it. So C is charge, P is parity, and uh, T is time. So this is uh, the idea of fundamental symmetry. Again, we'll talk about this in a little bit. So the charge, uh, if you flip the charges of all the particles involved in an interaction to their opposite charge, you get the same interaction. So that's that's what the charge is. Parity, if you look at the mirror image of an interaction, you get the same result. In time, if you run an interaction backward in time, it looks the same. So I just want to kind of define that for you uh, as, as we move forward. And we'll get into what some of this actually talks about. We're not going to go into the math behind it. There is actually a boatload of math uh, within the abstract. We're not going to do all that. Uh, but the, and basically, they use math to prove their paper is what happens there. So I think this clip is ready to go. Okay, so Carl Johnson, Johnny Enoch, going to talk about mirrors, and then we'll move on from, from the mirror. So this is from The Shadow Dimension, Episode 4. So I was originally here in August and September of 1973. Okay, Jen and Corey Hineson have the closing on their house. They invite me in. I bring my friend Elise, and she becomes a historian associated with the house. Okay, our initial visit here, my initial visit here with Elise. Uh, I wandered into this room and said, by gum, that mirror is still here. I know that was here when Norma and Jerry had the house. That looks like the one that was hanging on this wall when the parents were occupying the house. So I came over looking at it, and I said, well, I'm gonna look at a mirror I haven't looked at in so many years. My reflection, it was showing me as I appeared when I was 18 years of age, when I first came to this house. It's an objective experience for me. I'm actually looking at my reflection. I'm, I'm younger, much younger, but I was wearing the same red polo shirt that I had on that day. My reflection was moving with me and I had a chance to really observe this phenomenon. I say, I, I am, I'm looking at my, my hair is longer. I'm just much younger looking and I said, I wonder how I'm looking at myself as I appeared when I first came here. I think it was a time slippage, really, because I had a chance to really look and analyze and say, I'm really looking at something different, myself from another time, but why is it moving with me? 
Now, what a bummer it was when I went into the bathroom and saw that big mirror there. And I'm, oh no, this is what I really look like, you know. But I got a chance to see how I looked back then. I'm making light of it, but at the time it was a really uh, profound experience. There's a lot of lore about mirrors and, you know, capturing other realities, other dimensional realities. Maybe that's what happened here. Maybe that was my unique time slippage. There is a long history of mirrors being used in esoteric and occult practices. We know about the magic mirror, we know about scrying, but what's most shocking is that people who have been astral projectors or those that have out-of-body experiences often report that when they're out of the body, that they see this world of anomalies when they look directly into the mirrors and that mirrors actually do act as a portal. When you go into Jewish practices, after someone has died, they will cover up the mirrors all throughout the house for a period of two weeks. And they do this because when the deceased has left the body, they sometimes expect them to hang around for about two weeks. And you don't want them to get lost by looking in the mirror or traveling to somewhere else because the mirror, in fact, is acting like a port. All right, Carl and Johnny there, uh, Wayne. And yeah, Carl's experience is really uh, very interesting. And uh, uh, Sarah has a, a good question here. I wonder if Carl remembers seeing himself older in the mirror when he was younger. That's something that we kind of talked about a little bit with uh, the doppelganger effect and the idea of them being time slips. That uh, like Goethe, he saw himself uh, initially as an older man, didn't realize it at first until you know, time had gone by and he was walk, walking the opposite direction, wearing the suit that he initially saw the man walking and realized that, oh, that was actually myself when I was younger. So he remembered it. Carl does, doesn't appear to remember being younger and looking into it, but I mean, possibly, you know, it, that that is what happened. Um, and then Sarah also saying, reminds me of the, of the mirror verse episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, actually, when I was uh, doing a little hunting around for material for this uh, for this class, that kept popping up, the Mirrorverse episodes. So, and um, yeah, Alina and Connie, uh, yeah, I can't imagine uh, Carl experiencing that. It would be very, very creepy, for sure. So, okay, so appreciate uh, Carl and Johnny kind of explaining some things there about... Uh, you know, about the possibilities of, you know, of mirrors, of mirrors being portals in a type of experience looking through one. So when we get into this idea, when I was just uh, talking about here a moment ago, these different scientific articles that are coming out now about, uh, you know, about an anti-universe running backward in time prior to the Big Bang, what would that look like? And what I find humorous about this whole thing. So two years ago, articles were coming out about this because there was data from the Anita Project down in Antarctica that discovered some interesting anomalies in Antarctica with neutrinos running backwards. So let me go ahead and kind of reference some of these different things. So just to let you no, the Anita Project. Uh, and I know we've talked about this in a couple of classes, and it is in my Alaska Triangle book. Basically, what this is, it's a stratospheric balloon-based experiment, and it points a radio antenna back at the Earth 
to try to detect radio waves that are emitted by high energy neutrinos if they happen to strike an atom in the ice. So, but back in 2016, what Anita detected was an evidence of high energy neutrinos coming back up out of the Earth's surface without a source. So these findings prompted the publication of a New Scientist article, which stated, explaining the signal requires the existence of a topsy-turvy universe created in the same Big Bang as our own and existing in parallel with it. In this mirror world, positive is negative, left is right, and time runs backwards. So now this created kind of a firestorm a, a couple of years ago because um, they ran that article. The New York Post picked it up, the Daily Mirror. So kind of more of the tabloidish uh, type of uh, papers and news sources picked that up and ran it. And they were kind of regurgitating the same, uh, you know, the same writing. And the mainstream academia came out and said, well, well, wait a minute, you know, we, we're not talking, to, you know, we're not really talking about a parallel world with time running in reverse. And, you know, here's some of the, like, this is Forbes, and they're basically discrediting it, you know, saying the internet has done it again. Uh, it abounds with stories from tabloids like New York Post, Express, Daily Star, mostly quoting each other. Uh, and they go on to say it's, you know, it's all way overblown. Uh, you know, to be clear, there is zero evidence of what the Daily Star says is a parallel universe right next to ours, uh, you know, where all the rules of physics seem to be operating in reverse. So the, immediately coming out saying, you know, discredit, no, no, it's not, it's not true. And I understand that to a point because they kind of took the data set from the Anita project and made this interpretation of it. And that's what they published. And of course, you know, people in in our area of research are jumping right on that uh you know we kind of we are very interested that kind of we are very interested in the idea of parallel universes time travel if things are running in reverse that's interesting you know all of those sorts of things and you know our theoretical physics do point to you know multiple universes you know we've talked about that uh, several times I've, I've quoted Michio Kaku, I don't know how many times on his, um, you know, the idea of um, you know, the ocean full of uh, universes that are like bubble universes. And there are many different ones, like physically a universe, not kind of like the whole, you know, strange, you know, alternate dimension sort of thing. Um more of the, hey, outside of our universe, there are other ones out there that have different physical properties. So you can reference our classes on uh, the multiverse to get deeper into all of that. So we find all of that interesting, but mainstream is like, no, that's too fantastical. We're, we're going to, to go ahead and slam that. But now we have this new published study two years later talking about the same thing. So now it's going to be okay to, to talk about it. So Forbes <laughs> at the top of this article now says, note this article has been updated to include details of the research paper that discusses the CPT symmetric universe where time would run backwards from the Big Bang. So now they have to add this disclaimer to their article from two years ago. And actually, all they added was at the end of this section, 
where he says, what did Anita find? Kind of you know, goes through um, and, and quotes the New Scientist article. But they add this one line at the end. That's a CPT symmetric universe. That's it. That's that's our update to the article. So they had to. They, they had to acknowledge, okay, we published this. But now there's actually, you know, other, I guess, accredited scientists that have published a paper in a peer-reviewed journal that are saying, okay, this is, this is actually a thing. And what I, you know, another thing I find humorous about that is this idea that we have to, I guess, discredit it unless it's been published in a you know, peer-reviewed journal, which I don't, I don't know why. Because <laughs> well, I mean, what's what's a peer? I mean, that's that's somebody that is in your same field that has also read it and reviewed it. You don't even necessarily have to agree with it. <laughs> you know, a review is just, I, I read it, right? Um, you know, I, I have reviews on Amazon for my books. Some of them are positive, a lot of them positive, but some of them are negative. So you could have a negative review, right? So <laughs> it's just, you know, somebody in your same field that has looked upon it. But, you know, we gloss it up and say, well, you know, we're not going to give it credence unless it's in one of these, you know, publications. It takes a lot to get those in those type of publications. If you look at this, okay, it is, it is now uh, 2022. When this was submitted, look at the date, March 2019. So the Anita data uh, was put out in 2016. They created this paper and submitted it in 2019, three years later. It was not published until another three years later, January 2022. Now, when they submitted this for publication, that was before the New Scientist article came out in 2020. It was like almost a full year later that that article came out. It was bashed. But yet, prior to that, was already submitted this, uh, this scientific paper. Yeah, maybe they should have um, taken it a little easy on that, but but they didn't. <laughs> so, all right, let let's get into what this this paper and these studies are actually talking about. We're gonna be talking about the Big Bang. Boom! There we go. So, just a you know a quote here from this, and some of this is a little convoluted, but. Uh, in this paper, they say, we investigate the idea that the universe before the Big Bang is the CPT, again, that's charge parity time, reflection of the universe after the bang, both classically and quantum mechanically, so that the universe does not sp spontaneously violate CPT. We show how CPT symmetry selects a preferred vacuum state for quantum fields on a CPT invariant cosmological background spacetime. The universe before the bang and the universe after the bang may be viewed as a universe slash anti-universe pair emerging directly into the hot radiation-dominated era we observe in our past. This, in turn, leads to a remarkably economical explanation of the cosmological dark matter. So the idea, then, is uh, to preserve the CPT symmetry throughout the cosmos there must be a mirror image cosmos that balances out our own. 
the cosmos would have all opposite charges than we have be flipped in the mirror and run backward in time. So basically what they have just described here in so many convoluted words is that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So they've basically applied that principle to the Big Bang in a, what, 25-page paper with all kinds of math and um, all of this talk of, uh, or all this controversial talk of, you know, a parallel universe in time running backwards, which if you are talking something that's symmetrical, yes, that would have to be the case. You also get the idea here, you know, when we're talking about, you know, mirror opposites here, you know, with one, you have to have the other. I mean, we're talking like yin and yang here, right? I mean, this is something that is not new to us. You know, that that idea that, you know, there has to be, you know, for, for one positive thing, there has to be one negative thing. And, you know, the universe balancing its, you know, itself out. This is something we've been talking about in our different cultures, in our different, uh, you know, spiritual movements you know, for all time. We've been talking about these two opposites having to balance each other out. And what they've done here using this data from Antarctica and neutrinos running backwards and all this stuff. Um, there's also another, and I'm not going to get into it, but there's also another device down there called ice cube that basically it kind of works in tandem with, with Anita, but they've taken this data down there from these scientific devices and just said, yep, yin and yang, you know, for the entire universe. So since we have one universe here, there has to be an, opposite one running over there. What would that look like? Well, one of the things that they described is time running backwards. That would be interesting to look at. I kind of threw that question down there to you guys, uh, you know, before the show, nobody really responded because you know, it's kind of a, it is kind of a, you know, puzzling idea, kind of a, interesting little thought experiment. What would a mirror universe look like? You know, we mentioned Star Trek earlier uh, with the, with the mirror verse and the, uh, you know, the mirror crew of the enterprise. And those were interesting episodes to see, you know, an evil, an evil Spock and things like that. So that's one idea that is, that is actually a, um, a great example of this concept. They're just applying it to the entire universe. And I think that kind of blows some people's mind. Um, yeah, and, and Sarah has a, a point here. Culture is not, it's not unique that people don't accept things right away. Look how difficult it was for Copernicus or anybody. Um, you know, there were people that were, you know, you know, burned at the stake for their, you know, for their beliefs that actually turned out to be true, whether it was, um, Okay, like that, the, uh, you know, the earth is not the center of the universe, not the center of the solar system, the, the sun is, or, you know, the world is round, not flat, you know, all of these different things. Um, you know, Tesla was, you know, was laughed at when he was talking about, 
you know, the, uh, you know, the knowledge of the world being held on a device that would fit in your, you know, breast pocket. And what do we have now? Cell phones that we can fit in a pocket that gives you access to all the knowledge of the world. So, yeah. Um, question here. Uh, and Sarah, you always throw out some uh, good questions. I always appreciate that. So would the opposing universe eventually produce a big crunch? It would mean that universe is working on a definite clock. Universe is definitely working on a clock. The universe will eventually end. Now, there are a lot of different theories as to what will happen. Uh, the most popular theory right now is big freeze. The universe will keep expanding until eventually it just, everything freezes over, everything dies out, and everything's too far away from each other for what's within the universe to live. So the, uh, you know, solar systems and stars go through cycles where, you know, a, a star is born, forms up a solar system, it goes through its cycle, star eventually dies, but that's not the end of the star. It may take on other different transformation. It could be, um, could eventually become a black hole, could eventually become a, a neutron star, a lot of different forms it can take. Eventually, that energy will, uh, will dissipate and the star will no longer be able to, whether it's turning into another star or doing something else, at some point, it will no longer be able to do so. And we'll be done. Um, you know, it can go supernova and change, right? But at some point, that energy dissipates. Now, this kind of does fly in the face of the idea that when we talk about, you know, energy can only be transformed. So then, how does the universe eventually, you know, die out if it if it can only be transformed? That one I haven't quite, you know, grasped yet. Maybe I haven't. Maybe it just didn't read, uh, you know, one particular thing right or whatever it was. Uh, but but that's the idea of the big freeze. Eventually, all that energy will dissipate and die out and there will be no more. The big crunch is that idea that, you know, the universe is expanding now, but will eventually contract back in on itself and boom, create another explosion to create the Big Bang and on and on, it expands back out, comes back in on itself, get the big crunch, boom, get the big bang, we'll go through the universe all over again. Which to me makes a lot more sense because then you're continuously doing something with that energy and with that matter. You know, expanding out, back in, expanding out, back in. So with there being this idea of a mirror universe, an anti-universe, would that be then doing the same thing? Or would they both come together? Because one is the you know opposite of the other. You know, are they both expanding out from the same spot? And when they contract back into, they contract back into themselves and then expand back out as mirrors once again. That we don't know yet. <laughs> um, so, and also... If universes are vibrating in such a way, does it mean existence lives in a closed system? Um, yeah, we're pretty much in a closed system right now. So there's, there is an idea that we could use something like a portal or a wormhole 
um, not only to travel within our own universe, but to be able to go outside and, and tunnel out to another universe. We talked about that a little bit on our, I think, on one of our uh, multiverse classes. So, uh, yeah, Helena baffles me as some don't believe in anything nor want to look into it. And I don't think it's necessarily, because we have a lot of people looking into a lot of different concepts. Um, it's, what I find fascinating is they don't want to believe because people just believe it. Um, you know, we long ago did things based on faith. It's a tradition that's been handed down. There's some written text, there's an oral tradition, you know, it's within our, you know, within our religion, these different concepts and ideas, you know, like the idea of an afterlife. And we've talked for thousands and thousands of years about our soul when our body passes away, going off to somewhere else. I posted an article some weeks back about, you know, scientists saying, oh, yeah, um, you know, it, that may actually be true that the soul goes off to somewhere in the cosmos after death. And it's like, okay, well, well, thank you for confirming what, you know, billions of people have been believing for all of this time. But now that you put your little stamp of approval on it, okay, I, I guess, I mean, that that's what I have a hard time with. Um, and I, I wish there's gotta be a middle ground here. So, <clears throat> you know, back in the day, it was all, you know, religion, spiritual beliefs. And if you went down the scientific route, then yeah, you might get burned at the stake or beheaded or whatever. You know, they would they would come after you for that. So it was, you know, our religion, no science. And now it's like we're going more all science and no religion. Basically kind of doing the same thing, although we're not burning people at the stake anymore. There's a middle ground here, I believe, where you know, one can prove the other. I think we're seeing some of that. Um, and it's coming off, to, to me, it, it's coming off a little, um, a little snide, you know? But we'll, we'll see how things shape up. You know, I, I think it's great that science is finally saying, hey, you know, we, we can actually now show this with our math, maybe in a lab or something like that. So, um yeah, exactly, Tom, dust to dust. It's that constant cycle, which we've been talking about a lot on here. And we're gonna we're gonna get to those cycles here in, in just a moment. Okay. So um another comment here is that these particular researchers, when they're putting all this together, they found that the condition imposed by obeying CPT, charge uh, per, uh <laughs> charge parity time, um, it would fill our universe with right-handed neutrinos. We don't have to get into the difference between right and left-handed neutrinos, but uh, would fill it up enough to account for dark matter. And I found that interesting that they went down the road of dark matter in, in this particular study because there's another, <laughs> uh, some other research that just came out um, I, th I think this was just the other day uh, that I that I saw this particular one. 
scientists say that dark matter may be information itself. So this is from a physicist from the UK, Melvin Vopsum, claims that dark, mat dark matter may be information itself. His paper was published in uh, journal AIP Advances. And a couple of quotes from that. One, if we assume that information is physical and has mass, and that elementary particles have a DNA of information about themselves, how can we prove it? Secondly, he says, we know that when you collide a particle of matter with a particle of antimatter, they annihilate each other. And the information from the particle has to go somewhere when it's annihilated. So again, that idea that you're transforming it. You're not completely destroying it. It's just becoming something else. So his idea is you take matter, antimatter, smash them together. There was information within those particles. And that's the dark matter of the universe. This, this information, this data that was stored within the DNA of those particles. So if that's true, then <clears throat> you have, okay, this one study from the mirror universes that's saying, um, you know, we have a, uh, uh, you know, all these different neutrinos, uh, this symmetry would account for the dark matter. And then you have this other one saying, yeah, and that dark matter is information. It's data. Okay, that's that's interesting. So information, data is all around us. Kind of sounds like the matrix to me. Don't you think so? I think it kind of sounds like they may be stumbling onto the construction of a, the simulated universe, if you believe that we are living in a simulated universe. So free-floating information and data out in the cosmos. You know, is that actually the code of the matrix or the simulation, if we're living in one? You know, the idea that, and even if our, um, okay, our souls are going off into the cosmos, referencing uh, that particular article again, how would it know where to go, Right. What's, what's the guide to get there? So a lot of our uh, you know, ancient cultures, you know, like the ferryman, Charon, uh, or that, that would be uh, Greece, or in um, Charon, Greece, or Rome. <laughs> Sometimes they get the, the names a little mixed up. Yeah, the Greek gods and the Roman gods. Karin would be the ferryman. Um, somebody knows, put it down there. But then you had, uh, in ancient Egypt, your guide was Anubis. You know, he would be the one that take your soul to the boat, and you'd go off to you know, the constellation of Orion. You'd go off to the Sirius stars. You know, so again, that idea of your soul uh, you know, traversing the universe. Well, is that what this data is, is that, you know, is that the road? Is that, is that the river, you know, to go off to these locations when we pass? Kind of have to start asking that, that question. Is it also part of the collective unconscious? Is that why people, multiple people seem to pick up on the same idea at nearly the same time? So you've, you've you'll see this all over the place where all of a sudden everybody's trying to invent a light bulb or everybody's trying to invent the radio. 
and they're all using similar ideas. People who, uh, you know, never had, you know, they didn't have any interaction with each other on diff different areas of the world. And all of a sudden they're all building the same freaking thing. So, you know, just throw out a little diagram here real quick. Um, so this is the Jungian collective unconscious. You have your unconscious, uh, the collective unconscious, which is the, uh, it's kind of showing like a sea, a, you know, an ocean here of all of these ideas, all these thoughts that are the collective unconscious of everybody. Then you have your own personal unconscious, which picks up on that, you know, whatever's flowing out there. And it takes that to your consciousness. So an example, then I, I have fun with this one. I've actually been interviewed on a podcast for this, um, a, a, a Rocky podcast, because I made mention in a video one time about how I kept tuning into whatever the heck Sylvester Stallone was going to be doing uh, with, with the subsequent Rocky movie. So, you know, just a little kid, just starting to write, you know, writing all kinds of little stories, mostly, you know, little mysteries. But I was a huge Rocky fan and um, you know, Rocky II had been out for a little while. And so I'm writing a story about how uh, in Rocky Three that Rocky is going to become friends with Apollo Creed and he's going to fight a Russian. What happens in Rocky Three? Well, he becomes friends with Apollo Creed. What happens in Rocky Four? He fights a Russian. Somehow I, I'm just a little kid, somehow I'll tap into it. But wait, there's more. And some of you, some of you guys have heard this. Um, you know, I'm in middle school and Rocky Four has already been out for a while. And, you know, I, I make mention to my mom. I'm like, you know, mom, you know, I love the Rocky movies, but I actually like the older ones better where Rocky didn't have any money and he was poor and he was kind of, you know, struggling and, and fighting to, you know, make something of, of himself and all that sort of thing. You know, and he was funnier when, when he didn't have the money. What happens in Rocky five, which came out when I was in high school, he loses all of his money. Well, wait, there's more. So there had been, yeah, you know, some rumors and speculation about, you know, they, they might eventually do a Rocky six. It'd been a long time because you know the fifth one didn't do so well, and we weren't really into doing retro movies of of you know all these different franchises like we are now. But I had this dream that they were going to go ahead and do a six Rocky movie, and within this dream of this six Rocky movie, Adrian is on her deathbed and dying, and she does die. Well, the sixth movie, Rocky Balboa, starts with Adrian dead. So somehow, some way, I was tapped into that, what Jung would call the collective unconscious, whatever's floating out there, but really pinpointed to a specific topic, which, you know, was, was the Rocky movies. And I mean, Stone's getting his ideas right. It's his character and his world and, and everything that he's writing. Um, but when, when we, when we write, when uh, we get creative, we're getting those ideas from somewhere. It just, a lot of times they're just popping in your brain, like especially when you really get into a zone. There, you can really get into a writing zone where the ideas are just flowing, and it's just 
you know, it's almost like it's not you sometimes that it's just, oh, that's awesome. I'll write it down. Oh, that's awesome. I'll write it down. You know, sometimes it's a little harder. Of course, people get writer's block, but there are there's those times where you're just in that zone. And people believe a lot of times you're tapping into, you know, this, this ocean full of ideas. Well, is, is that what this is? Is that what they are talking about here with this free floating information that, that could be in the dark matter of the universe. Is is that the collective unconscious? Possibly. So, all right. We talked a bit at length about that. You guys could throw some questions down there in, in the chat. Uh, so we've got about mm, 13 minutes left here. So, I've mentioned before we've talked about this. Tom threw it out there dust to dust. We've talked about the constant, you know, you know recycling, renewing, um, Sarah was talking about, okay, you know, big crunch. Well, we have studied before the Ouroboros, this idea of constant renewal, you know, the snake eating its own tail. We see this, you know, all the way as far back as, uh, ancient Egypt. This is in King Tut's tomb, this idea of, uh, you know, for, in a burial, the idea would be the, you know, the soul is going to be renewed. You start seeing this in some of the other uh, tombs in the Valley of the Kings as well. Not, not always as a very nice circle like this. Sometimes they would actually put it into a cartouche shape as well, but it's still the snake eating its own tail. So the idea of recycling, renewal. So one of the things that whenever I'm done writing it, um, the, the Connecting the Universe book. Inspired by this whole thing a couple of years ago with the Anita Project and the original articles about uh, the, you know, a parallel universe you know, running in reverse. And the idea of, like Sarah, like you were talking about with the big crunch, that you know, it's a constant cycle. So, you know, our universe is expanding. We live, you know, going to be billions, if not trillions of years, right? And then eventually it dies and it caves back in on itself. And boom, we start the cycle again. So we've seen our ancient symbolism talk about this. You know, one here, you know, the Ouroboros talked the yin and the yang earlier. Our ancient symbols are telling us about the way our universe works. You know, I, I didn't even, I don't even have a slide here for it. Um, but our, um, our solar, no, our solar, yes, our solar system, uh, we we tend to think of that as, you know, a, you know kind of a, a circle, right? You know, you have the sun in the middle, you have the planets uh, orbiting it, all of that thing. Well, if you keep going back and keep going back and keep going back, you know, like past the Oort cloud and, and all of that stuff, um, and you were to actually look at our solar system from the outside looking in, it's actually not a perfect circle like that. It's not, some people think that it's, you know, like a bubble, it's a sphere, right? And it's just, 
or it might like look like a comet where it's a you know sphere and a tail because remember this thing is spinning around the black hole at the center of the Milky Way. It's actually it actually is two tails with you know the the main body of the the solar system in the middle with two tails. It actually looks like a crescent moon. Our solar system looks like a crescent moon from the outside looking in. We see crescent moon symbolism all over the place, uh, you know, in our ancient symbolism. So these symbols that the ancients were drawing, and we don't know how much they actually knew about the particulars, like the mechanics of it all, okay? They may not have known about dark matter, and they may not have known about, uh, you know, inflation, you know, they may not have known about, um, you know, charge and parity and all that sort of thing. But they knew enough to be able to describe it in some way to say this, this is the way the, the universe works. Here's a symbol about it. Or here's a story, a legend that we've created to talk about it and mention it. So they had some idea. And, you know, when we talk about time, they knew about that. You know, so they knew about a lot of these different concepts. They just didn't talk about it in the scientific terms that we use today. So this is our language today to try to describe the same thing that the ancients that talked about thousands of years ago. So, all right. See what you guys have... Uh, down here. Um, all right. And, and yeah, Alina, uh, many need confirmation from science, which is understandable. And that's, and that's kind of the thing is we've gotten into this mode today that instead of just, you know, looking at something saying, that's interesting, the angels talked about that stuff, and I believe in it, people want that scientific data to back it up. That's like, you know, when we do, um, we go on a paranormal investigation, you know, ghost hunting or, or what have you, and, you know, we have something happen. You know, we, we observe something that's absolutely amazing. And others will say, well, where's the science to back that up? And it's like, I don't always have, you know, your language, your jargon, your little, your, your you know, exact proof that you need to show that this happened, but it did, you know, <laughs> you know, stuff happens and, and we see it and we observe it. Um, but yes, yeah, some people want their, uh, you know, what we call science today, you know, to prove it to them that yes, this does exist. So, all right, we're getting down here toward the end of the class. Um, so I do want to throw out there again, that we do have the monthly Q&A video that's going out tomorrow. So I posted the question down there uh, within the Facebook group, on the actual uh, public page out there, a couple of different places, uh, kind of prompting for the, uh, the Q&A questions. So I do want to get that video out tomorrow. So uh, last-minute uh, questions, throw them down there. I'll get the video recorded. We'll pop that up on the Connected Universe portal. And you guys can uh, can go ahead and, and watch that there again. It's the uh, the March Q and A 
video. So we did a lot at the beginning of this month when it came to uh, shadow entities, shadow phenomenon, uh, that sort of thing. And a couple other topics I, I threw in there that we had also talked about, like uh, personal resonance and vibration. Uh, we did a class on that. So it all kind of ties into that when you were talking about, you know, we were talking, okay, we we're just talking about, you know, watching and observing some paranormal, you know, phenomena. Why do some people see things that others don't? And it came down to personal resonance and vibration. So, um, so yeah, that's all, it's actually all a part of it. You know, this, all of the, it all ties in together. Uh, you know, there are things around us that we don't usually see with our own eyes. And certainly when they start talking about, you know, dark matter and is there information, you know, within it, uh, we don't see that with our, our, our eyes can't see into that spectrum of where the dark matter, I mean, they're, they're still having a hard time proving that dark matter actually exists, you know, um, but that is supposed to be what fills the space that's around us. So we'll see what eventually becomes of that down the road. Um, but all this has been, you know, very, very interesting, fascinating. Uh, I would love for us to get a little bit more proof about these, this parallel universe running in reverse time. It makes a lot of sense to me, though. If you go through the idea, you know, there's, you know, there's always going to be an equal and opposite to whatever it is then that would just make logical sense aside from, you know, the science that they're trying to use to prove it now, which almost seems like an accident when they're down there doing other scientific studies into the ice and they're getting this reaction that they didn't expect. And yet there it is. What would that look like? Is that what Carl saw in his mirror? Is that when we have these different, what we would call maybe a time slip, or we see an apparition, uh, if we see a doppelganger, light beam, a lot of these different things that we see on occasion, are we getting a glimpse into that parallel world? Are we getting a glimpse into that mirror universe? Is there a way that we can, like Alice, walk through a mirror and all of a sudden find ourselves within it and experiencing it. And what would that look like? So a lot of things to, uh, to consider and ponder. <laughs> Tom always wanted to go out with a bang. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and Sarah, the other universe is probably trying to reach us. They may have already done so if it is working in reverse time. Okay. If it's working in reverse time right now, we are trying to, you know, find a way to traverse the universe, enter into other dimensions, all of that sort of thing. If time is working in reverse in their universe, then they've probably already done that and have already been here and have already interacted with us. Is Are these, I mean, got to ask the question, are those from this mirror universe are those the gods the ancients talk about and it's not really gods maybe it's mirror images of us another one to ponder all right everybody so again those that are listening to the podcast later please join us out here every wednesday night connecting the universe go to connecteduniverseportal.com 30-day free trial to sign up for that come out here uh, ask the questions get the full video present 
meditation, uh, see the slideshow, you know, watch the video clips, all that great stuff. And you have a whole bunch of other information on the back end between all the articles, videos, extra material, a lot of wonderful stuff back there. Uh, and then, of course, we let you into the, uh, the, the super secret places where you can interact with everybody. So, okay, everyone, have a great night. We will see you same time next week, 8, 8 o'clock p.m. Wednesday Eastern time. So, once again, until next time, if time really exists.